Well, Lord, we thank you that when we step behind the curtain, we hear the elders and the living creatures. We hear the sound of heaven around your throne crying, worthy, worthy, worthy. Thank you, Lord, for the saints that are here today, Lord, that our hearts in worship can cry out, worthy is the Lamb slain. Thank you for this wonderful church, Lord, this body of Christ. Thank you for the leadership. Thank you for the vision. Thank you, Lord, that they're bigger than they think they are. I thank you, Lord, for the tentacles that go from this place and touch so many. Thank you, Lord, for Pastor Larry and Nancy. Thank you, Lord, for those that stand around them. Thank you for this, this morning as we gather. I thank you, Lord, that we've done it before, but we will never do it like we do it today. This is a new day. And Lord, you said because of that day at Calvary, this day is a good day. We decree it. We declare it. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, what a joy <laughs> to be back here on Sunday morning, the conference was life-giving. Uh, we, I think we all would agree that the conference we were in Thursday through last evening was just life-giving. And uh, if I remember Thursday night when the brothers were up here, we read Psalm 133, that Blessed are the, when the brothers get together, for there the Lord commands the blessing, life. And I think that's what all, all the gatherings, the brothers that shared, and yesterday was so rich, uh, there was life in it. I mean, you, know, you, got, you got personalities, and you got all of that. You know, I mean, you got, my goodness. I mean, you know that if there's not two snowflakes the same, there's not two people the same. So aren't you glad that the same good news comes through personalities? And there's, uh, that's so diverse and blessed. I love that. And so praise God. I, uh, we were talking of Pastor Larry, uh, Al and I coming up here, just what a blessed man he is. He and Nancy, we love them. And uh, I, said, I said to Pastor Al, I said, I'll tell you if the fight breaks out, I want Larry on my side. <laughs> I've said this before, but he's a, John, he's a Holy Ghost John Wayne, all right? so. But anyway, love you guys and honor you. This, you make us feel so much at home, and uh, hope someday you can come to Alabama. Uh, you'll have to come there before you go to heaven, so stop off quick, so... <laughs> I, I, um, you know, I, I, I think I would, you know, talking to these preachers, uh, at my juncture, at my, the season that I'm in, I think when I, Jen and I started this journey in 1967 in June, uh, you're, you're always looking, Lord Jesus, you know, and right, taking notes, and man, I mean, I'm Her, Herschel Ford snappy sermon starters. I don't know if you ever saw those or not, but man, I mean, I'm looking for everything, you know. But but you know, here we are, uh, 55 years later. I'm still looking, but now it's different. I'm asking, Lord, what what do you want to say to us? Not just giving me something. Lord, give me what you want to say to this congregation. Because you met last Sunday, but I'm going to tell you, you never met like this day. This day's a new day. And I, and I said it in, in prayer. Just let me, 
Let me share this. In Psalm 118, it's interesting. We often, especially we Pentecostals and charismatics, you know, spirit-filled churches, well, bless God, this is the day the Lord's made. Well, that's true. But that's not what the psalmist said in 118. But now watch this. I, could, if, I don't want to preach here, but this will encourage us. Psalm 118 says, he talks about the day that, 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 that doesn't use the word Jesus, but the day the chief cornerstone was rejected. Where was that? Calvary, the cross. He said, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. What? That day. So that means no matter what's going on in this day, if I'm rejoicing in that day, I find myself rejoicing in this day, not because of this day, but because of that day. I mean, you got up, backed over your cat, and your dog died. Am I supposed to say, praise God, the dog's dead, cat's gone, wife's don't feel good. You know, I, I mean, is, is that, no, no. He said, this day, learn to rejoice in that day, and it'll make this day a good day. Isn't that simple? So, so we, we, we learn to live in that context. And um, so we, we don't look around to rejoice. We look back to rejoice. So I think all of us uh, would agree, and I want to address some of it uh, from a, maybe a pastor standpoint. I don't know. But I want to address part of it. We we as Christians need to understand some of what's going on and how we respond to what's going on. Uh, you and I have never lived in a day that we're living in now. The United States of America has never been where she is right now in our entire history. I got a major in history in college. And got to study a lot. I love history. But if you, if you study history very much, you'll find, rewind us to our beginning. Now listen, and let me just set this up. If you go back to how, listen, Columbus didn't come over here just looking for somewhere to park a tent. He was divinely led of the Lord to get to this country and those that came and those that followed drove up a stake in this country that this country would be created to advance the kingdom of God. That was our purpose. So there was a people that came to a land to find freedom in their worship and in their faith. That was our beginning. And, and there's been a lot of battles over this country. But now you and I are living when other ideologies are endeavoring to take over. And I'm going to give you three, and I'm not going to preach this, I'm going to give you three. First of all, it's, it's socialism. There's nowhere in planet Earth that socialism has ever worked. It isn't working now. It's stupid to think it'll work here. Second of all, it's Marxism, and, and for Marxism to work, you have to tear down the history. I studied it. For Marxism to rise up in government, you have to tear down the history of that nation and rebuild it according to Marxism. That's what's trying to happen right now. Communism is simply trying to get God out of everything. You can't, you can't pray at the football game now. If you, I mean, thank God for the fellow that got out on the field and prayed that the, the Supreme Court overrode that. Amen. And w when you think about all of that, you understand some of the dynamics of what's going on. And you, and you see the church at large that's cooled off and, and watered down in the pulpits that the, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God was not being thundered from the pulpits. It was being watered down. That the idea was... If we can get a nice enough band, if we can get nice enough facilities, if we can get, and you, you come and watch us do what we do, and you live feeling good, maybe next Sunday you'll come back and bring money and somebody watch us do it again. <clears throat> but 
how I see life and, 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 and God living in me never changed. Now, that, that got us to where we, and I, I, can, I can give you the history. Back in the last century, in the 1900s, there were men that came out of, out of Germany into this country. Come on now. I'll give you some of the names. Bootmann, Tillich, they were called German theologians. And they came with a message. It was, it was a message that watered down what we stood for. Now, here's their message. I mean, I, I mean, I studied it. Here's the message. The Bible contains the Word of God. Now, see, that's, that's, that's not too bad, is it? At least that's what Bible schools, seminaries, churches began to embrace. And, and so it, it was called neo-orthodoxy, you know. Uh, in other words, it's a new theology. As uh, one brother said to me one day when I was in school, when I was in seminary, he said, well, I said, don't you believe the Bible is true? He said, well, I believe part of it is. He said, you know, it contains the Word of God. I, I said, you don't think it's all inspired? Oh, he said, no. I said, then you're inspired to tell me what spot it's inspired in. Isn't that right? That's the conclusion you have to come to. So what started, now watch this, and I'm going to get to the, what's, what started to happen is one issue. Now listen to me. It was only one issue. It wasn't two, it wasn't three, four. It was one issue. The issue that started to happen in America is we started to water down the authority of the Word. We got one problem in our Bible schools. We got one problem in, in our seminaries. We got one problem in our churches. And then that is this. We've watered down. Listen, it, and God's bringing a people back to the book. The power of the Spirit and the book. And we are beginning to read the book again and say, have you know, in the Bible, did you realize, hmm, just a streak of glory hit me. Do you realize that in the Bible, they lost the word in the temple? Let me say it like that. They lost the word of God in the house of God. And when they found it, it revolutionized. And I'm going to tell you, and I know this, I know this, I know this house. This house has not lost, that's not, I'm speaking to the broader thing. But you need to know what's going on. This is not about Democrats and Republicans. Listen, they're only puppets on the string of a greater enemy that's trying to destroy a nation. Now, this is, this, this is the thing, and then I'm all, I'm all preaching. This is the thing. This is not just happening in America. It's global now. Do you understand? It hadn't been many months ago to the powers that be. Come on now. They knew exactly. They learned. They had a trial run. They knew exactly now how to do it. They shut down the entire planet in 48 hours. Come on now, it happened. I was living here and you were too. It happened. I mean, I mean, we were scheduled to go to Africa. We couldn't, I mean, there was no need to go. It was shut down. Why? COVID. I'm not saying there wasn't a COVID. I'm telling you, well, I don't want to go. Lord, don't let me get there. But do you understand the government and the, power, the powers to be, there's one objective it's going on right now, and that's to control you. That's what's going on right now, to control you, okay? And to, they, they, now you watch this, and you can say this crazy preacher said it. They're going to begin to use food to manipulate you. You mark it down. You're going to begin to use food to manipulate you. They're already, you've got to wear a mat. We're always talking, already talking about, going to have to be, a, maybe I have to go back to the mask thing. I mean, you know, Whatever. And I'm not against wearing masks. Long Ranger wore one a long time. So anyway. But it's been a proven fact. It doesn't do any good. But I don't matter. But they, you still manipulate with it. So you understand. The powers to be. And, and I don't want to hurt your feelings. And so what we've got in Washington now. Is a guy that calls himself president. And he's a puppet on the string. 
And, and, and listen, he's not running this country. There's a committee running this country of socialist, Marxists, and communists. That's the context of what's going on, all right? And, and, and thank God, after, you know, over 60 million babies died, the Supreme Court had enough intestinal fortitude that six of them stood up and said, no, Roe versus Wade is not constitutional. Thank God. And now, and now that Washington's trying to trying to get over that and put that down. So that's where that's where we are. Okay? So let me tell you what I want to talk about. The last days. That's what that's my subject. I've been <laughs> you go, well, I thought you I thought you were going to say the benediction there for a minute. No. <clears throat> that's only introduction. <laughs> I just get fired up about this. June says, honey, now, hold it down. But when you see what's happening, now, let let me turn, flip the coin over. In the middle of this, I see a bride shaking herself. It's like she's just shaking herself. And and, and I'll end with this. And I'm telling you, we're headed somewhere. The devil's got a plan, but listen to me. I quote Dutch Sheets. Dutch said, God is never catching up. You don't get behind. God's got a plan. And listen, I don't want to miss it. I won't end on it. Praise God. So we're going to go to Matthew 24. Uh, in the 24th chapter, and, and you guys uh, know this well, but let me, let me uh, preface something here. Before I get to 24, Matthew. In the second chapter of Acts, after Pentecost, Peter stands up and preaches. And and he's declaring and preaching. And he says that now what you have seen at Pentecost is the beginning of the last days. And he quotes the second chapter of Joel. So listen to me. Peter stands up and declares and sets into motion, if you will, that Pentecost was the beginning. Didn't say it was, was the beginning of the last days. Now, we know that we're living further down the road than when Peter said that some 2,000 years ago. So Peter declared that the, the beginning of the last days was beginning at Pentecost. Now, uh, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, in, in chapter 3, verse 1, this is what Paul said. <clears throat> in the last days, perilous times will come. Now, since the fall of man, there's always been difficulty on earth. We know that. But Paul said, in the last days, perilous, the word perilous means hard times. I'm going to tell you, and I don't want to be negative, we probably are headed into some challenging times. So that means we need to be into it like the sons of Issachar, who discern the times in which they were living. Don't stick our head in the sand. Let's, let's, Let's stand up. Lift up your head. Hallelujah. Your redemption draweth nigh. Now, I don't know when Jesus is coming, but let me tell you right now, it's closer now than it was last night. So we know we're living in that. And I'll talk more about that. So so Paul said, just wanted to alert us that when we get closer to the end, the perilous, hard, difficult, actually it translates stressful. Don't you hear kids say, I'm distressed. I can tell these, these college guys, I'm distressed. Well, I understand. Uh, but that's just a testimony. In the 24th chapter now of Matthew, in, in the first uh, few verses there, actually it's verse 1, and I'm going I'm I'm to preach through it rather than read it and then go back, okay? First of all, in verse 2, 1 and 2, Jesus went out and de- departed from the temple with his disciples, and they came up and they showed him the buildings of the temple. I mean, can you imagine? Look at this. 
Jesus looked at it. Isn't this wonderful? Then Jesus said, verse 2, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. I mean, that was a kind of a downer, wasn't it? I mean, look, it took us years to build this. Look at this, Jesus. And Jesus said, don't you understand that there will come a time, and they did, 70 AD, it happened. And, and don't you understand there's coming a time when not one stone upon another. Well, they leave, now watch, they leave the temple, walk down the Kidron Valley, over to the Mount of Olives, and privately sat down. And then they said to him, here we go. When will these things happen? Now, don't you know, when they asked Jesus that, Jesus knew exactly what to tell them. He began to give them a dissertation. He unfolded a five-point revelation to watch for so we can discern how close we are to the last of the last day. In other words, uh, Jesus starts out by saying, now, when you see this, I mean, I've been, I got up thinking about this this morning and you know, we, we love coming here, and we don't love to have our trip, but boy, when we get here, glory to God, it's good. But you know, when I, when I leave Kansas City, I start looking for signs. Before long, it says, St. Joe, so many miles, I go, well, how many of you know, when I see the sign, you kind of mentally adjust to, I'm closer now than I was. And before I know it, then it says, you know, it, it starts... Uh, St. Joe, the next three exits or whatever, you know, it starts naming streets. Well, how many of you know when you see the signs, you know you're closer to your destination? My God, I, I don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure it out. When I see the signs that he tells me here, I'm closer to my destination than I was. I mean, that, that's, uh, if the Jews had, had been discernible, they would have recognized Messiah when he showed up. But they weren't. If, if, how many of you knows in the days of Noah? Noah, I mean, you know, Noah goes out there, he and his boys, and starts building a boat. A boat? Why do you need a boat for? It never has rained. It never had rained till Noah. I don't know if you know that or not, but the, the dew watered the earth, so it didn't ever rain. So here's old Noah and, and his boys out there building a, a, an ark. Well, what y'all doing? We, we building an ark. What for? It's going to rain. Ha, ha, ha. You've got to be kidding me. It ain't never rained. But it's going to rain. And they worked on it for years and years and years and years and years. And nobody believed Noah and his boys. It was only his family. Only one believed it. Now, hang there, because you've never seen it. Don't mean it ain't going to happen. Come on now. Hey, you know, because I can, well, I don't know. I ain't never seen no rain. It don't matter. Can you imagine the day that Noah and all them animals and all his family got in the ark and the Bible says, and God shut the door. God shut the door. I think God knew Noah would open it because he had friends. And, and can you imagine some of his buddies going, I, I don't know what old Noah and his boys, they've been doing this for years and saying it's going to rain, building that boat. My goodness, what's that? Oh, like a drop of water. Water? From where? I guess it came from there. And before you know it, another drop, another drop. And then all of a sudden it dawned on them. The old boy was right. And they come running to the ark, but they can't get in. It's too late. Are you listening? Now listen to me. I believe... I'm going to get to this, so just let me turn me loose. <laughs> I believe that Jesus is going to meet his bride in the air. It's called the rapture. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but its meaning is caught up is the word rapture. We caught up, which means we're sitting in church one morning and whoop, quicker than you can blink your eye. People in that church building are gone. Some are still sitting there going, what happened? It's too late now. There's a drop of rain. There's another drop of rain. You can't undo it now. So we will, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, every born-again believer and only born-again believers will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I mean, that's the first thing. That's the first coming.
And then after that, the tribulation will begin. Seven years of hell on earth. First three and a half years looks like a, a calm, but it's nothing on the world, but a false peace setting up for the last three and a half where the wrath of God is poured out. But, but every born again, listen to me, every born again believer has been delivered from the wrath to come. That means when God's wrath is poured out, you're not here. And then Jesus will come at, at Armageddon, put his feet on the Mount of Olives, and all hell's going to break loose, and he's going to win it with a sword from his mouth. Hallelujah. Now, say, what we're going to be doing, I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be watching. Why? Because I left on the first bus. Come on now. now. But how many of you know people who go to church, people who just read their Bible, people who are trying to do better, <clears throat> won't make the rapture? It's only those that have been John 3, 3, born again. You understand? That's going to happen. It don't matter. Well, I mean, do you think the rapture is going to occur when hard times come? No. It's going to happen just before the tribulation begins. He didn't say anything about hard times. So that's what's, that's what's ahead of us. It's going to be, folks, I'm telling you, there, there's going to be a rapture. Can you imagine... Can you imagine walking with your neighbor who's lost and all of a sudden, zip, you're gone. He goes, can you imagine riding a bus and all of a sudden, foot, your driver's gone. Come on now. What if you're flying a plane and both of them are, <laughs> you know, and this, I don't mean this to be light. <laughs> can you imagine when you get on the plane, you want to go, is this pilot saved? <laughs> if he's saved, he... <laughs> You better hope he's lost so you don't get raptured out while you're on that plane. Because, listen, and you go, well, that kind of scares me. It shouldn't. If you've been born again, Paul said, encourage one another with these words. It's an encouragement. Praise God. Listen, if Jesus don't come today, I'm going to look for him first thing tomorrow. Because one of these mornings, I'm going to get up before the sun goes down. Zip, bless God, I'm out of here in the presence of the Lord. And so is every believer. Now, that's, that is not prophetic. That is prophecy that God has declared in his book. Now, how do I know how close we are? I mean, can you imagine? You go, what do you think people are going to say after folks get raptured out of here? How are they going to explain it? Well, of course, speculation is all I got. Well, first of all, they're already talking about getting rid of all of us because we're in the way. You understand? It'd be a joy for that bunch to get rid of us because we, that's a, and listen, I didn't, I, I didn't care for President Trump's personality. Bless his heart, he needs help. But I cannot disagree with his policy. His policies were the greatest policies lining up with the word and the will of God in my lifetime. But, you know, the reason they hated him is that he stood in the way of a global one world government that they are trying to put together, you know, and he got in the way. So they, from the get go, they accused him of everything. Now, I'm, I'm not a Republican and I'm not a Democrat. I'm a Christian. Bless God. And I'm, I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about political parties, but. But, but he got in the way. So there is right now an endeavor to bring us into a one world government. I mean, why don't we do something about the border? That is atrocity. That's a shame. It's, in, it's incredible what we're allowing to happen down at the southern. That is, it's beyond imagination because it's, it is, watch this, it's endeavoring to destroy the un, an underground foundation of a nation with all of these people that don't have a clue where they are but will vote the way they want them to. Well, anyway, so what has that to do with the rapture? I'm going to leave it with them. I'm going to be out of here. I'm going to leave it with them. But you know, what, you know what grieves me? There's people sitting here right now. If the rapture took place, you still be sitting here. I got, we've got family. When I think about it, 
They're going to look around and go, wow. So how, how do you think people are going to explain this? Well, I think that getting us out of the way was a delight. But I think all of those aliens, you know, aliens out there, they come and got that. Did you know my neighbor, they got, they got him during the night? Who got him? Those aliens. You've got to explain that somehow or another. I don't know that it will, but it don't matter. The fact is, the born again are gone, and those that they will be people saved during that time, probably to the cost of their life. All right, so how close are we? What are the signs of the last day? Jesus, they said, uh, tell us, will you give us a hint? Show us what's the signs that we can look for that will let us know we are living in the last of the last. So I'm going to give you five of them. I'm going to do it real quick. The first one, Jesus starts out in verse 4 and 5. You see it? I'll read it and we'll talk about it. Then when they ask him the question, what will be the sign of your coming? When will this happen? Verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceive you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will de deceive many. Now what? First thing Jesus brings up in the last of the last is deception. What is deception? It's wandering from the truth. Because when you don't have a reference point, you make up what is right in your own eyes. Well, this is, this is and not our young people here, I wouldn't say this is them, but young people go, well, preacher, may, may be truth for you, but it's not for me. If it's truth, it's for everybody. So they make up what is right in their own eyes. So what is deception? But it's wandering from the truth. Now listen to me. Listen to me. It says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, Paul said, Eve was deceived. That's what the enemy used to get the fall of man into existence. Adam was not, it says in that, in that scripture, you can, I just read it a few minutes ago, in, 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 uh, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, Paul said, Eve was deceived. That was what the enemy used to become the little God of this world. Now watch this. Also, and I, and I found this in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, the Bible says, Satan deceives the whole world. That's his, his number. Now listen, his number one thing is deception. I mean, you know, do you think he tells some guy drinking a Budweiser that probably if he keeps that up, he may die with liver cancer, or he may lose his family, or why? No. D don't you see those advertisements? They're all sitting around, these college-age kids, and it's wonderful. This is wonderful. Just do this. That's deception. Now, now hang on. And then, in, in John eight forty four, Jesus said, I love this, when Jesus kind of steps up and says, Satan is a liar, and he is the author of all lies. There cannot be a lie that is not authored by the devil himself. So if deception is a lie, and it is, what is this author? The devil himself. So we're living in a day, now I said it I think maybe last, we're living in a day, turn on the TV, what can you believe? I've done this, and I'm sure you. I bet pastors done it. I have X things. Let's suppose something. X something happened. I turn on this network, and you get this. Turn it over to another one. They're talking about the same thing, but it looked like two different events. Because there are people out there will tell you what they want you to know and how they want you to know it. They don't want you to think. They want you to think the way they think. And if you don't think the way they think, you're a bigot, you're, you're just one of these kind of people, you're not with it, you're out of step with culture, come on now. Okay, that's how the enemy works. You have to know that Jesus said the number one thing, watch for deception. 
That's what he said. I, I didn't say it. He said it. Uh, he, he, and I got a lot of scriptures here I've written down just simply to try to inform us because you are people informed because you hear the word all the time. Paul said in 1 Timothy 4.1, if you want to write these down, Paul said the atmosphere of the last days, the atmosphere of the last days will be so charged with deception. 2 Timothy 3.13, it says this, evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Hmm. I had a history professor in college, smart, brilliant, ever learning, and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. So I used to witness to it about the Lord. And his word to me was, oh, preacher, I'm being, he said, I'm in the process. Well, he's dead now. I hope he arrived before he ran out of time. Listen, y'all won't ever want me to come back after today. But anyway, uh, listen, our whole educational system goes down into kindergarten and they develop it layer upon layer upon layer upon layer, get you out of, out of, out of high school, put you in college, develop you layer upon layer, and they don't educate you, they indoctrinate you. Now, that's not everybody in the system. I don't mean that. I'm talking about the core of the system. Now, in Alabama, I know, well, I guess it's the United States, the, uh, the uh, educational system has voted. No longer do we use mother, father. It's birthing parents. You go, it's insane. I know. That's what deception is. Now, uh, so what, how do you know, preacher, whether you're being deceived or not? You've got to have a reference point, right? And my, my brother back there is holding it up. What is your reference? What does God say about it? You want to know if homosexuality is wrong? Why don't you ask God? He don't hate the homosexuals, but he hates, listen, I mean, this LBTGR2R, you know, all that stuff. I mean, I happen to know for a fact a denominational man said to me within the last few days in our denomination, we have, listen to me now, we have a man in the pulpit dressed up like a woman pastoring a church. Now listen, you, you, you mark this down. We are now living when you are seeing before your very eyes the apostate church coming into existence. So, uh, so what's your reference point? Well, what do I need to say to you guys? This is it. Why don't somebody just read the Bible? I mean, the United Methodist Church is fixing to split. That's, I have a heritage there. I pray with Methodist preachers every Tuesday that I'm in town and can. Lord willing, next Tuesday I'll be with these guys and we pray. So, so they're going to split. What's the issue? The, the, the progressives, as they're called them, which is the watered down to the Word of God. Have, or, the bishops have been ordaining homosexuals. They are applauding the United Methodist women. I was told this by the, a pastor of the, one of, the, of the, I think, largest Methodist church at the time in Alabama said, you know, I said, he said to me, Doc, do you know what the Methodist women are doing? I said, I have no idea. He said, they got a lot of money. He said, they got 20 or $30 million in the bank. He said, you know what they do? One thing. He said, they spend their time and effort in Washington lobbying for the, for the homosexuals and the lesbians, et cetera, et cetera. That's the apostate church. Listen, come on now. Let's just get real about it. I mean, somebody's got to tell the truth. My God. And you know, we, we peddle it around like this. You know, preacher, we got to love everybody. And I, I, that's true. But don't, don't expect me to agree with you. 
You say to me that you are whatever this goofy stuff is, and I don't mean ugly, but you tell me that and, and expect me to agree with you. I can say God loves you and I love you, and he wants to deliver you because that is a sin. And I'm going to tell you, apart from God's intervention in this pulpit, this right here and this and right here to get up and say what I just said to you might get me a jail term I'm just trying to build the context of where we are there's hope in this to hang on so I mean I could labor the deception thing let me know what see see what I'm talking it's in the news media it's in the papers and our education and in the seven pillars Lance Waldau talks about the seven pillars have been infiltrated with deception in every area. Okay. What's the second thing? Boy, that took a while, didn't it? What's the second thing? Here's the second thing. It's in verse 6, 7, and 8. Let's read it. And you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. Underline that one. I really underline that one. For all these things must come to pass. Watch this. But the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nations, kingdom against kingdom. Watch this. And there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. I am told this. Bill Gates is buying up thousands of acres in the Midwest. Letting it lie desolate. What are they trying to create? A shortage. Why? To control you. Have you not noticed empty shelves? I mean, down in Alabama, a week ago, I guess, June said to me, I heard we're going to have a shortage on mustard. <laughs> Anybody hear that but June? You didn't make it up, did you, Abby? You didn't. Shortage on mustard. I said, you know me. I go, well, let's go see if we can find some mustard. <laughs> you can live without mustard, I realize that. It's, 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 an, it's not a life save. It's an, it's an irritation point. So I go to one. We got two Walmarts in our town. And not counting the other towns. And so I go to the latest new big Walmart and hunt mustard. Ketchup. Wasn't one ounce of mustard in, in, in Walmart. Lord Jesus. A run on mustard. So I stop at Dollar General. You know Dollar General's got everything, you know. And I go back, ketchup, not one ounce of mustard. <laughs> so I went to our kind of across the killing, which is a little community right past us on Highway 72. Over at Killing, they hadn't heard about the mustard crises. So I found some mustard. <laughs> do, do, do you understand? I mean, all the, what they are endeavoring to do is create a shortage to manipulate you. So what will it create? Here's, here's my second point. Disruptions is glaring. Look at the look, look, look at the gas thing. I mean, huh. I mean, dear Lord, like you know, you got to go get a loan to fill up a tank. Now listen, listen to me. Here, you know what makes me angry about this? It don't have to be. I mean, we're having it pretty good. Until the pipeline shut down, we turned it all over to OPEC and foreign oil, and they do what they want to, so out the roof goes the price of gasoline. And then, and then, look at all these truckers and all their diesel fuel and what they're having to pay, and then you go to the grocery store, how much is that mustard? My God, I didn't want to invest, I just wanted your mustard. Isn't that right? Everything, come on now, you know it and I know it, but they won't admit it, Every time they do this, it, it, it escalates and causes everything to rise up. But it's a sign of di disruption. Jesus said, watch for it. I'm trying to show you something for the last day. 
disruption right here. It, 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 and, you know, he said, wars, I mean. Putin just decided to go to Ukraine and do his thing to rebuild the Soviet Union. Not working all that good for him. It's, it's, it's awful. But, you know, I think, Pastor, the interesting thing is that Jesus said there will be nations against nations. That interesting word is the word ethnos. You know now, black people against white people and white people against black people. And it ain't about the color of the skin, folks. I mean, look at my brother. I love that man. I don't see color when I see Brother Al. I see big, but I don't see color. I named him Big Al. I thought that was a good word. But he's, his heart's bigger than his body. He's a man of God. And, 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 and look at Bill and go, you know, white people are the enemy. Men are the racist in this country. Nation against ethnos against ethnos. It's the ploy of the enemy. It's all a plan, ploy of the enemy. And, and, and then, if that isn't enough, Jesus gives a third one. It's in verse 9 and 10. Here's the third one. Then, everybody say then. When you see all of this happening and we see it, then, then. This is Jesus talking. Then, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You will be hated for all nations. Now watch this underline. For my name's sake. It's because you're a believer. And then many will be offended and betray one another and hate one another. Do, do, you, do you see that? Now, persecutions behind disrupt, disruptions uh, for his name's sake. Many will be offended. And hate one another. Now, I, again, I'm, I'm trying to be honest. We're headed to some persecution. You can mark it down. We're already in it. <laughs> we're, we, we're already in the middle of I mean, we're headed that way. Get on TV and begin to decree and declare Jesus is the way and only Jesus. See what kind of response you get. <laughs> I mean, we're already in it. But it will get worse. Because the reason it's going to get worse is because we're headed toward the sound of the trumpet. But we're headed back into the book of Acts. And there was the persecution. See, the church in Acts grew. They exploded. But it wasn't like Sunday morning from 11 to 12. Come on now. They were being killed and persecuted. And every time they kicked them, they kicked one and five growed out of it. The church, one, there was a time that the church was confined to Jerusalem. Persecution broke out, went around the world. So we're headed to that. But don't let that bother you. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, uh, you, you know, I'm, let me give you a thus says the Lord. You may not feel a grace for what I'm saying now. But when you get there, you'll have his grace. I promise you. When you get there, you'll have a grace you don't have sitting here this morning. So persecution's coming. The third, no, the fourth one. This, this rings my bell here. The fourth one is in verse 11, 12, and 13, actually. Then, men, then there's another then. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Now, this is, needs to get our attention. Because the deception that he first mentioned is now increased out of the church. That's what he says. Many false prophets. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. 
but he who endures to the end will be saved. Watch this. Now deception, Christians, because of lawlessness, will become soulish. Because, it says it right here, because of lawlessness, Christians will become soulish. Now that doesn't mean you, I'm just reading the text. Interesting, the word, you know what, if you, if you practically try to understand lawlessness, that's simply living without boundaries. It's like taking all the speed signs down. I'm going down a road at 60, and God just passed me at 120. Was the police behind him? No, there's no law. He can drive what he wants to. In other words, if it feels good, do it. I've got a right. You don't see the TV ads? Get what you deserve. <laughs> Isn't that right? Lawlessness is living life without restrictions and boundaries. Now watch this. And because of that, the love of many will grow cold. Now listen to me. The word cold comes in the original language. Here's the word, suke. That's the word for cold, suke. You know what that word is? Soulish. They're ruled by how they feel, what they think, <laughs> and not by the spirit and the truth. I had one lady say to me, Preacher, I'll be a Methodist, but I, I'm not going to be a Christian. Duh. Now, I'm not picking on the Methodists. I love the Methodists, but I'm, I'm telling you, he said in the last days, because people are living without boundaries, the love of many will become soulish instead of spiritual. <laughs> well, that's enough of that, isn't it? But that's what he said about where we are. And I'm glad I can see your face. And I realize some of you go, oh, which. But you need to know and you are hungry to know. But let me give you the fifth point. It's the fifth thing Jesus said. I love this. Not only will the Christians, now that doesn't mean everybody, they will be Christians who will become more soulish than they do spiritual. The con what I call the con conclusion is the next verse. And conjunction. In the middle of what these four, all, all these four we've talked about, all of this going on, you go, my God, let's hide somewhere. <clears throat> the scripture says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Listen to me. We headed to the greatest move of God you've ever seen in your lifetime. Right in the middle of all these other four. But we marching <laughs> as an army, and God's adding to that army, and the army's coming alive. They're beginning to get awake. Uh, let, let me read you a scripture that Paul wrote. You don't even have to turn there to the Romans. This is what he said. And do this knowing, knowing, the word knowing actually means use your senses. Knowing the season, the time, that now it is high time. High time, if you ask me right now, what time is it? I'd say 25 to 12. That's what he meant. It's now time. It's now time. Look, look what he said. Oh, you don't know. I'm not looking, are you? And now it's high time to awake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night's far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, cast off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light. Wake up, he said, church. It's closer than you think it is. So, this is where I think we're going. I believe we have to realize what we're in and we need to navigate through it. But we need to know there's a light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> that says there's a great move of the Spirit. I think it'll be global. 
I can tell you what I think. I don't, I don't necessarily have thus says the Lord. I think people like you are praying for revival, praying for an awakening. You, you, we, we need more than a visitation. We need a habitation. We need the glory of God to be manifested again. And I don't think it's going to happen the way we normally would, would put it into re, to a revival context. I grew up with revival. We, we'd have it a week or sometimes even longer. I mean, we'd have gatherings and people would come and people would get, that's wonderful. I don't think this one's going to be just like that. Now, it may happen at the local fellowship like this one. It may happen when we gather at the local fellowship like this one. But I think it's just going to happen. Don't you think? I mean, I mean I, as I said, I think earlier, I went to Walmart to get a loaf of bread. My goodness, honey, you won't believe what happened when I was at Walmart. There's something going on at Walmart. People are coming up to me and go tell me how to get saved. I go, well, I just want some bread. It's like, this is true. So one, 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 one brother went to Walmart, and I think it was Walmart. He never said Walmart, but I think it was because of, he said, I want... About 11 o'clock at night, I wanted some donuts. And I thought, well, I'll go to Walmart and get some donuts. He said, I'm checking out. And I noticed the lady that's checking me out has got a hearing problem. I said, said, ma'am, I noticed you've got a hearing problem. Could I pray for you? She said, sure. And she's over on aisle 10. He's checking out on donuts. He said, I just prayed for her. Bam, God healed her. When she got healed, I mean, she started carrying on. On aisle 10, she's over having a sunny eye seizure on, on, on 10. She just got healed. And she, he, he said to her, ma'am, could I use, you know how they got that little microphone there, some check issue, I need help over on, okay. And he said, she said, sure, because she's fired up because she just got healed. She gets on that thing and starts giving, he does, an altar call. This is the truth at Walmart. He said, and he started working in the word of knowledge. There's somebody here got a hip problem. There's somebody got your left knee. There's somebody needs, gee, I don't know what all he said. It was a word of knowledge. And he said, I'm over on aisle 10. If you want prayer, come over on aisle 10. He said, I looked up and there's drove of people coming toward aisle 10 in Walmart. Listen, folks, that's what we're headed toward. The next move of God. And I want to be a part of it. Hallelujah. And you do too. But you must come to understand. Don't look like it. Don't look like this is going to be some tippy-toe through the tulips. You're going to have to lay down your life. Lay it down, and I'm looking for the rapture. You don't come today, I'll look for him tomorrow. But I won't end on where we're going, and I think we're headed that way. It's, it's, uh, I just saw. What's it in Ethiopia? Where they gave that bill? Uh, Larry and I were Ethiopia. Did you, anybody see that thing on? Is it YouTube or Christina? Where Christina? In Ethiopia. I mean, I mean, they give an altar call to get saved, and I mean, they, here they come. They don't come like this. They are running at a breakneck speed. Thousands of them to get saved. That's what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, I am, listen, I am telling you, God, listen, the devil is not going to win this thing. Jesus is Lord. Now listen to me. I have a word from God for all of us. He's coming. He is coming. And when he gets here, he's coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. He's not coming for some little old whiny somebody sitting over in the corner hoping Jesus heard them come, but we ain't going to make it. I'm telling you, God's going to wrap that bride in glory and splendor. And listen, God's going to use that bride to shake this world like a, like a dog would shake a rattlesnake. And there's going to be, the politicians are going to look for somebody to help them. And they're going to say, that little church down the road that used to be little is not little anymore. And I hear that the blind are seeing and the lame are walking and the dead's been raised up. And I hear that the God of heaven is in their hearts. And I want to come and I want to be a part of that. And so here they come. And the great harvest in the book of Acts begins to take place. 
And then in the middle of that, I got up to preach one morning and zip before I could think of it. I'm on the way up. Hallelujah. And all of them non-believers that didn't believe it, I'm going to say to them, I told you. That's where we are. I believe that. I probably haven't articulated it as good as it could have been. That's where we are. And you have to get negative, but you have to tell it. And I would told you, there's more. My goodness. My goodness. You know, young people, they're looking for the real thing. Not this religious mess. But let me ask you, if this morning, and listen, this is, and I realize it, you guys, I mean, what can I say? This Hosanna's incredible place. But who's to say? Maybe you're sitting here and you go, you know, preacher, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, every, there's only one kind of Christian, born again kind. Jimmy Carter made that famous to our culture. He was a born again Christian, he said. Then everybody said, well, he's a born again Christian. Excuse my language, but there ain't no other kind. You don't have brand X. You had not been born again. You're not a Christian. So how do you get born again? Recognize that you need to. I'm lost. I don't, I don't think I'd go to heaven if I were to die now. If the rapture were to occur, I'd miss it. Recognize that. And then all you have to do, he's done what needs to be done. His salvation, his life is called a gift. You can't work for a gift. All you can do is receive it. And this Lord Jesus, I receive you. I repent of my sin. Come into my heart. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Bill is so simple. People miss it. So simple. You got it. So what I got to do, it's already been done. The thing about receiving what he's done is called grace. Newton, who was on a slave ship, captain of a slave ship. And those slaves down in the pit rowing, he heard them singing. Mm-hmm. And he, they were humming amazing grace. Well, Newton gets saved. He put words to that. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I was blind. Now I see. <laughs> so what can I say? He did it. All I did was say thank you for it. Wouldn't it be a tragedy to get in your car this morning knowing that God himself has offered you the gift of life now and forever? And I said, no. People don't normally get saved like the thief on the cross. As they've lived, they usually die by. And so while every head is bowed and every eye is closed for just a minute, Pastor mentioned it earlier. And I, I just, I'm going to tell you, I love Larry and Nancy Gray. I think I love him more than I ever have. The more I know him, the more I love him. Would you, you go, well, what's people going to say? That's a pretty low price for eternity. Jesus said, if you had the whole world, if you, if you had more money than Bill Gates put together 10,000 times and lost your soul, what, what have you gained? So we've been listening to a song recently when it's all been said and done. It doesn't matter. What matters is you. Who in this building right now, and there is one, and I don't, I just say there is one, maybe more, that's not ready to meet the Lord. I'm not coming. Would you put your hand up to the Lord, not me?
You go, preacher, I don't know. But I'd like to know. I'd like to leave knowing that if Jesus comes before I get to lunch, I'd go home to be with the Lord. Would you put your hand up and put it right back down? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to come to you. No, I embarrass you. God bless anybody else. I want to know. Anybody else? Well, I go to church. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about do I know that I know? How many, and if there be, Pastor, Pastor carries this kind of anointing and we all can do it. He has a special anointing, I think. He has a power anointing for healing and deliverance. Is there anybody here? I need healing in my body. And I need somebody to pray for me this morning. Put your hand up about you. God bless you. God bless you. The same Jesus that's coming again is still healing the sick. God bless every one of you. Father, any other needs, please know that we want to pray with you and for you and agree with you. And if you raised your hand, I just want to know that I'm ready to meet Jesus if he came that quick. I could say, even so come, Lord Jesus. If you need healing in your body, you need, the demons are attacking you and you need help to get free. You get up and come. When you begin to hear the music, I want you to get up and come. Stand right here with me. We're going to pray with you and for you. We're going to believe God with you. And God is going to touch you. So Father, thank you for every precious hand that's been lifted. I thank you, Lord, that on this Sunday is a divine appointment for all of us, especially for those that had the courage to say Jesus and put their hand up. 